So if you're not intentional about it, anything can fill up your calendar. And so I just think it's important that as we're going through this process of trying to get you on track where your money is concerned, even just in terms of the idea, sometimes you just need information. And in the information you receive, then God can breathe on that information and he'll tell you how to use it in your own personal life. I love the graphic. We were over at the, the Doubletree and there was a graphic that said, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. But you can get information and then determine what your lane is. Amen. And so I think that's extremely important. So when I this morning, when I started talking about how to cooperate with God, I'm really talking about an extension of what we've been talking about. And so here's what we've been talking about. Just a quick recap. We started off with this series called How to Respond in Faith. And how many of you know that in life there will be challenges? Amen. In fact, let's say that again. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, yeah. being a Christian, being a Christian. Does, not does not exempt you. Exempt from life's challenges. From life's challenges. Amen. It just does not exempt you from life's challenges. But the Bible tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so if God is greater in us than whatever comes against us, then we have an appropriate way to respond so we always come out winners. Amen. Amen. We said there were four ways to respond uh, in faith when faced with a challenge. And then in that same message, we talked about there were five ways to strengthen your belief. One of the ways you strengthen your belief is what Pastor Shun said this morning. I won't go through all five of those, but I will tell you, you have to become a student of the word of God. Amen. If you take anybody who is excellent in their field, they have lots of information about it. It was it was uh, now I like to watch HGTV. And so yesterday I was watching HGTV and it was on that show called Love It or List It. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I love I love HGTV. And so I was watching it and it was these two couples and one was an art professor, which is fine. We've all heard of art professors. But the second one was a professor of skateboarding. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never heard of anybody at a university who is a tenured professor who teaches skateboarding. Listen, that dude knew everything about skateboarding and somebody he, he knew so much information. Somebody was willing to pay him for the knowledge that he had. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that if you're going to be an expert in any field, you got to get knowledge about it. And so if you're going to be an expert about the promises of God, they're not just going to fall on your bed while you sleep. You're going to have to crack this book open and you're going to have to learn to dive in and study what God has promised you. You know, when people die, they do this thing where they call the reading of the what? Will. You know why they read the will? Because folk want to know what they got. Right. <laughs> that, that's how folk, folk go, and they, they go, what did so-and-so leave me? The Bible is the will and testament of Jesus Christ to you and I. That's right. But if you sleep while we read it, you don't know what you've been, in, what, what you've been entitled to. And so it's important because we don't have the time nor the inclination to walk you through every single one of those promises. You, it's got to be important enough for you that you say, I want to find out about it. You know, uh, I can go to Jimmy and I can get certain information about what to eat and what not to do. But at some point, if I'm really serious about it, I got to go find my own information. I can't just live by whatever he can give me and you can't just live by whatever we can give you. You got to get to the place where you say, you know what? Living a life better than what I'm living right now is important enough to me that I'm going to dedicate some time every day to reading his word. And if you don't like reading the word, then put the word on. There's, there's other mediums. You can listen to the word on CD, on tape. You can listen to the Bible. That, that stuff gets inside of you. Amen. 
And so it's important that we understand that because if indeed you are going to grow, you're going to have to make some concerted effort to do that. Amen. Amen. And then we got into the message from uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about trusting God completely. How many know it's important to trust God? Amen. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, it says it's, it tells us it says trust. It tells us that we're not supposed to lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we're supposed to do what? Acknowledge him so that he does what? Directs our path. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. It's important. To put, your weight to put your weight on God. On God. Here's what God said to me. God said to me, he said, Edwin, isn't it fascinating that people have the ability to put their trust in so many things, but it becomes difficult when they have to trust me? I said, yes, Lord, that's, that's difficult. He said, let me give you an example. And this is literally what he said to me. He was talking to me, but it goes to you too. He said, when you accepted the new job, you never asked to see their bank statements. He said, you worked for them for two weeks on a promise that they were going to pay you in two weeks. He said, you put your mortgage, you put your car note, you put your family, you put all of them at risk based on a promise that they were going to pay you for some work. He said, not only that, he said, people do it all the time. He said people literally take their entire lives and they rest it on the idea that someone agrees to pay you sometime in the future for work that you do right now. He said, and I'm telling you that I do just the opposite. I make you a promise that you don't have to work for and you can have it right now, but they won't trust me. He said, and the issue is because they, they believe more in the world system than they do in my system. He said, and the only way that you're going to convince yourself, he's talking to me, he said, the only way you're going to convince yourself that my system is more sure than the world system is that you learn to put all your weight on me. And I'm telling you that if you, if, if, if you can be honest with yourself, if you can be self-reflective, if you would do a benchmark for yourself and say, do I trust God more than I trust my employer? <laughs> and the question for many of us, you don't have to answer because your actions say it. We trust our employers more. And God says, I'm not angry that you trust them more. I want you to transition <laughs> to trusting me more. He said, you, you've grown up in this world system where you live by everything you can see, everything you can touch, what you can smell, what you can hear. He said, and I want you to know that I have a system that is more sure than this world system. He said, but the only way it's going to work out on your behalf is I got to have you to cooperate. Amen. You got to cooperate with me. And so last week I gave you at the very end, I gave you seven steps to ensure that you were trusting God. Not going to go over all of those again today, but if you don't have them, they're in the FOC group. And I encourage you to take a look at those, because if you don't learn to trust God, if you don't learn to put your weight on him. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm not asking you to throw all of your weight on God at one moment because you may not be able to do that. But you can find one thing to trust yes, God for. You can. That's right. you can find one thing. What, what, did we, what did Pastor Sean say earlier that Jimmy told her? One workout at a time, one meal at a time. Trust God on one thing at a time. And what you'll find out is that if you trust God on one thing, because God's not a failure, he won't let you down. Come on. The, 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 the Bible says God has never failed. That he has never come up short. And if you think about that, who better to put your trust in besides someone who's never let you down? Anybody ever had anybody really close to them who you really, really counted on? And maybe they came through a hundred times, but at least one time they didn't come through. Okay, that wouldn't be God. Come on, that's right. 
Whoever that is. God's above whoever that is. That would not be God. God is faithful. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. God is faithful. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to learn how to cooperate with him. There's a scripture I want to go to. I want to go to two scriptures and Raph, they're not actually in my PowerPoint. If you can, if you can get them, that's fine. And, and the first one, I believe, is over in uh, Chronicles. I believe it's uh, Second Chronicles. It's Second Chronicles, and it's the 16th chapter, and it's the first part of the ninth verse. And, and even if he doesn't pull that up, I'm just going to read it to you. Here's what it says. And think about this in terms of cooperation. It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for someone he can show himself strong to. Now, why is that important? God does nothing in the earth without partnership for mankind. God doesn't move. And listen, somebody says, well, what? he's God. He's God. But if you remember in the book of Genesis, he forfeited his authority in the earth to man. He literally said, I'm giving, he said, I'm going to rule in heaven. He said, and Adam, you're going to rule in earth. So in the beginning of time, there was no difference between Adam and God. Now, that's hard for us to wrap our head around sometimes. What we can wrap our head around is that we not like God because Adam failed. But the Bible says that Jesus came and made ready what was done in the past. So technically speaking, our spirit man is just like God. And so if that is the case, the Bible says God is looking for someone to show himself strong to. Another, in other words, God's looking for somebody to partner with. He says, I'm looking for someone in the earth that I can partner with. So if God wants to cause greatness to come to a city, he doesn't just cause greatness to come unless it comes to a man or a woman. Yes. Every time God wants to do something in a new generation, he has to pick a child from that generation and raise them up. That's right. Every time God wants to do something in a movement, God uses a person, he uses an individual, a man or a woman to cooperate with. Why? Because God understands that because he gave that authority to Adam, that he needs to be able to cooperate with man to get his will in heaven down to the earth. It's why we pray what we pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done on Earth. As it already is. Amen. Why isn't earth already like heaven? Because he hadn't found enough folk cooperating with him yet. But all he has to do is find enough people willing to cooperate with him. And before you know it, earth will turn into heaven. Yes. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. I don't know about you. I don't know about say, but I choose, I choose. To, cooperate to cooperate with God. Yeah. Now, how do we do that? Let's look at John the 15th chapter real quick. I told you today just going to be kind of an intro because I think it's important that we wrap our minds around this, that even though God is God, I'm going to say this, it's going to make some of y'all skin crawl. He's limited to what he can do in the earth. People are like, no, 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 pastor, that's not true. It is. He's, how do I know? Do you remember when Jesus went back to his hometown? And because they were so familiar with who Jesus was, they didn't recognize him as the Messiah. They didn't recognize him as anyone other than Mary's little baby. The Bible says that even though Jesus had been healing people all over the land, when he went back there, the Bible says, I could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. 
because they didn't believe me to be the Messiah. Well, why did they need him to be the, why did they need to believe that? Because it had to be cooperation. Can God heal you instantaneously right now? Yes, but he would be in violation without your faith. He would be in violation of his own ordinance. He would be in violation of the contract that he put in place with Adam because he said that when he gave that dominion to Adam, it was Adam's right to have. Adam forfeited that right, but because Christ knew it could happen, because God knew it could happen that way, he made a way so that Christ would come so that you and I could pick back up what Adam lost. That's good. So literally, Right now, all we have to do to establish whatever we need in our life is to learn how to cooperate with God. Let's look at John, the 15th chapter. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purge it that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 3 says, now you are clean through what? The word which I have spoken unto you. What causes us to be qualified in order to partner with God? The word. Yes. The word. When I put the word in me, it flushes out all that doubt and unbelief. And now when all that doubt and unbelief is gone and I'm full of faith, I can put my hand in God's hands. We can cooperate in the thing that God has always envisioned for my life. Now it can come to pass. It's important that we understand that because if we don't, we find ourselves frustrated because we're trying to do. Listen, you can't cooperate with God in your flesh. You, you cannot cooperate with God in your flesh because God is not a flesh being. God is spirit. And because God is spirit, that's the level he connects with you on. And so you have to make sure you're not trying to do things in your own effort and then call it God. You have to make sure that you're cooperating with God based on his word. Verse 4 says, abide in me and I in you. That word abide means to rest and to stay. It means to rest and to stay. So literally, remember we talked about last the last couple of weeks about resting in God, about how that when we talk about grace, that grace is not like, oh, I can just mess up and God will just fix it for me. Grace literally means I've already made available to you. In fact, I love something that Pastor Sean said this morning, and I'm not correcting her. I'm going to expand on something she said. What she said this morning is she was talking about how when we are obedient, she said we can't be disobedient and just expect grace to come and get us. The reality is grace is here. Disobedience is what blocks us from the grace. Yep. See, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. God, God is, not ready is not getting ready to do anything else. Do anything else. And, I, and I think we keep, we keep waiting on God to do something. God has done everything he's going to do. Everything you need. He said, I've given you everything that pertains to what? Life and godliness. So God has done everything he's going to do. What he is waiting on is for someone to partner with him and say, yeah, I received that too. Amen. And the way you do that is through learning how to release your faith. Amen. He says in verse four, abide in me. He says, and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. In other words, he says, these promises that I've given you, you can't more produce them on your own than anything. He says, the only way they get produced is you produce them while you're in me. You, you, you understand that people who, who, who in times have had to have blood transfusions, 
that they literally get blood from another person. That the blood from another person has the ability to sustain them. You are a spirit being, and as a spirit being, word is like blood. The word of God is like blood. And as long as you stay hooked up to the word, it doesn't matter what your system is like, that word's gonna keep feeding you. That word's gonna keep, it doesn't matter what the world throws at you, it don't matter how depressed you get, it doesn't matter if you lose your job, you lose your wife, your kids, your family, that word will sustain you. I tell people all the time who have tragic loss, tragic loss is real, but it's not stronger than the word. The only way that you get disconnected is you have tragic loss and you pull the IV of the word out of your life. And when you pull the IV of the word out of your life, you are subject to every negative thing that's going on in your life. I love my wife and I love my kids, but I'll never turn my back on God, even if they leave this earth before I do, because I'm going to stay connected to the word. I'm going to stay connected to the word. I love people. I have passion for people. But when people tell me I don't know how I'm going to make it, I tell them, you don't know the word. There's never been a person in this earth who has ever come to Jesus looking and did not receive. There's never been a man who came to Jesus with his heart open, looking, and Jesus didn't give him what he asked for. So even when I'm broken, even when I'm sad, even when I'm at my lowest, the word keeps pumping into my system. And before I know it, what used to be in my system is now out of my system, and all I have is the word. And that's how you cooperate with God. And so this morning, I want us to talk about this a little bit. He says in verse number five, he says, I am the vine. He says, you are the branches. Watch this. He says, I, in other words, he says, I am the sustainer. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a tree that didn't have no branches? It looks weird. It looks weird. It's just got a trunk. It didn't have anything. It, 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 just, it wasn't designed to be that way. The fulfillment of the tree is that you can see the branches. It's what, when you see a tree, you go, oh, man, that's a beautiful tree. Well, you're not talking about the trunk. If you think about it, if you you stop and think about it, you're not talking about the trunk of the tree. You're talking about what branches out. God says, I don't have to be the center of the show. I want the world to see you because you are the one who needs to be partnered with me so the world can see you. But the only way you get to be beautiful, the only way you get to be strong, the only way you get to be lush is that you stay connected to me. And the problem is, is we don't want to cooperate with God because sometimes we think cooperating with God makes us go too slow. But you've never seen anybody plant an oak tree and come back the next year and see a full grown oak tree with all of its branches. It takes time because in the process of you becoming beautiful, there's some stuff that needs to be purged from you. In the process of you becoming beautiful to the world, there's some stuff that when you're a small bush, God's cutting off and he's trimming so that you can grow and be beautiful to the world and attract all of the things in the world to live in you. I think about that scripture that says the sunflower seed is a very small seed, but that when you plant it, it grows up and literally it grows to be so big that the birds and the bees and everybody come and get their nourishment from it. That is the intention of what God wants for you and I in the kingdom of God. He wants us to be planted. He wants us to grow, to be nourished so that we become so big spiritually that the people who are in the world, those birds and those bees who need to be nourished, they can come to us and that we 
can give them what we have because what we have doesn't come from some kind of artificial source. It comes from the branch. It comes from the trunk of the tree. That's the reason the worst thing you can do is give people advice out of your own soul. Come on. People don't need your soul advice. They need you to give them the word. Listen, your soul, as much development as you do, it's going to always need work. Your soul is going to always need work. Why? Because you're human, and humans have hurts. And when you have hurts, you lie to yourself if you say you're not internalizing those hurts. The issue becomes is when you can recognize those hurts and say, this is not of God, and I refuse to live under the authority of this hurt. God needs you to cooperate with him because in order for him to do all the marvelous things he wants to do in the world, he has to partner with someone. And, and, and thanks be to God, he chose us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Do you know how Jesus got here? Through cooperation. Come on. Well, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary. And what did he say to Mary? He said, hey, listen, the Holy Ghost is going to come up on you. And people think that Jesus just made her get, that the angel just made her get pregnant. No, no, no. She cooperated. What did she say? Be it unto me according to thy word. That was her cooperation for receiving what God had. And watch this. It's a, it's, the Bible says that we can look at natural things and discern spiritual things. Here is Mary, a young girl who gets a word from God. She agrees with that word and she births a promise. The promise that she birthed was so great it saved the world. What is it that God has in you that he needs you to cooperate with? So he can save a portion of the world. There's a a part of the world that needs saving and he needs you to cooperate with him so that you can give birth to it. That's the reason we have to raise our kids the right way. We don't know the full destiny on their life. And if you don't raise them the right way, then you can forfeit the opportunity of what it is they were supposed to be bringing into the world. Amen? Amen. Verse number six. It says, if a man abideth, not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Last verse, verse 7, he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So here's, here's, what, I, here's what I challenge myself with. If I believe the word, and if I say I'm abiding in God, And if I'm asking for something and I'm not seeing it, I check where I'm abiding. I don't check God. I check where I'm abiding. Because it is is possible to believe you're abiding in one place, and then when you do a little self-study, find that you're not abiding where you thought you were. That's right. That's good. What do I mean? I mean, I can believe I'm in faith to pay my mortgage as long as I got a job that pays me more money than what it costs me to pay my mortgage. I can see myself as being in faith, but can I believe God if the job goes away? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you don't check where you are during good times. Say, you find out where you are during tough times. That's when you find out. That's when you find out where you are abiding. And let me tell you, because I don't, because I fundamentally don't believe that God is a failure, I never look to blame God. Amen. Something negative happens in my life, not God's fault. 
I lose something that was valuable to me, not God's fault. I don't get something I believe I prayed for, not God's fault. Listen, I'm telling you, the number one thing you can do is to not get pissed off at God. I said it just like that. I meet so many people who got attitude about God as though somehow you having an attitude about God is going to make God change. It don't make God change any more than my kids being mad at me. I don't care nothing about that. I'm going to be just the way I am. And God doesn't care about that. God will be long-suffering with you. You can be mad at God for 10 years. And on the 10 years, in day one, say, God, I ain't mad no more. He said, good. Now let's talk about these promises. So you being mad only delays you, not God. He's going to be God regardless of whether you're mad or not. So you got you to you get this thing in you that you don't let nothing negative cause you to distrust God. I ain't giving up on God. I ain't blaming God for nothing. If somebody screwed up, it was me, not God. Amen. So, here's, so, so, so let's get into this. What I do with that little clicker thing? Here it is. <laughs> Listen, I preach like this because this is how I talk to myself. Because I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times where the devil will be like, man, you would believe in God. You would trust in God. You've been faithful. You've been preaching. They don't even come all the time. And da, 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 and da, da. Listen, they ain't got nothing to do with what God told me to do. At the end of the day, if something ain't going right, it ain't God. So I bag myself up and say, okay, what do I need to do? And a lot of times when you do that, you'll find out God will start to say to you, you're doing everything right. Just keep doing it. And God will say to you, you, don't have, you have no idea what I'm working on on your behalf. You have, no, you, have, you have no idea what I'm doing in a place that you can't see. Because when you plant a seed, you can't see what that seed has been doing until it pokes its head through the ground. But by that time, that thing is already established. It's grown down that way before it ever came up that way. And sometimes what God is trying to do is let you hang around long enough so he can put some roots in you. Because the, the problem is, the Bible says that the, the sower sows the word. The Bible talks about all the different things that happen when the word gets sown. When the word gets sown, the Bible says some of them spring up real quick, but they don't have any depth to them. And so the elements of the world come and take that thing away. Sometimes the reason you ain't blew up yet is because God knew if you blew up right now, you blow away later on. Wow. And you got to get to the place where you make a decision that you'd rather grow down before you grow up. God is ready for us to be everything we have called, everything he has called us to be. What we got to do is just make sure we're taking care of home. We got to make sure we are staying in our lane. We got to make sure we are doing the thing that God has told us to do. Listen, if God told you to get up at five and pray, you get up at five and pray. You don't try to have no call, no call to get everybody else up at five o'clock to pray. You do what you've been called to do. But if God told you to do something, you do what God told you to do and watch and see how God comes through. Take your neighbor and say, it's time. To stay in your lane. Now, I'm telling you, when you're in your lane and ain't nobody else in your lane, you can go fast. It's time for acceleration. It's time for acceleration. And so let's take a look at this real quick. Ralph, can you somebody click that for me? I don't seem to, this don't seem to be working. Oh, there we go. All right, my bad. There we go. All right. So let's talk about this. Knowing how to cooperate with God 
is, impo is an important component in seeing the manifestations of the finished works of Jesus Christ in our lives. If we are going to see the thing that God has promised, we have to learn to cooperate with God. We have to learn to understand that as intelligent as we are, that as, as, as gifted as we are, um, as, 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 as no matter what our vocational title may be, that we cannot do what God has asked us to do by ourselves. If you can accomplish it yourself, it's not a God-given dream. Amen. People don't like to hear that all the time, but God is not into giving out small dreams. If you can afford a three-bedroom house and you go get your three-bedroom house and you just took care of it on your own, that wasn't God. Right. It's true. No, I, 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 I never forget. And, I, and I, I share my testimonies because I believe that testimonies help people to grow. The house we got right now was a house that Pastor Sean and I wanted. We wanted that house 12 years ago. I believe to this day that had we had the fortitude and the faith to hold on before we got it, God would have given us the house. Somebody said, what's the, testimony? What's, what's the testimony in that? The testimony is that once you realize you didn't do something the right way, you never have to make that same mistake again. Now, here, here's how God is faithful. We ain't, we ain't never missed a note. Now, now, now he may, we may not have received the house debt free because we didn't have the patience to wait on God, but we never missed a note. So now what I recognize is the next time God says, hold on, I want to give it to you, I ain't moving. Right, right, right. I ain't moving because I'm going to stay and see what God has for me. Because I, that's I'm going to get this next one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab hold to it and I'm going to see. I'm going to cooperate with God. Listen, if you got a good credit score, you got a good credit history, you make a nice little piece of change, they'll give you whatever you want at the bank. They are in the business of taking good risk. Yeah, yeah. That's how they make money. They give you money, and then you give them back a whole bunch more than they gave you. That's the whole, that's the whole purpose of the bank. <laughs> that's how they work. And they look at your credit worthiness and your payment history and your income to determine whether or not you're a good risk. Here's what I like about God. God doesn't look at all that stuff to determine our risk factors. God doesn't look at all that stuff to determine our risk factors. God simply looks at us and says, are you in the beloved? And if you are in the beloved, y'all windows down? My window's not down. Mm -mm, I didn't crack mine. I watched the weather. It said it was going to rain between 12 and 5. It said it was going to rain between 12 and 5. So I did not let my windows down. Uh-uh. See, see, God will download information to you through the weatherman. All knowledge ain't got to be spiritual. Some knowledge is temporal. Amen. <laughs> hey, what was I at? Oh, okay. I lost my little thing now. What I do with it? What I do? Here it is. All right. It's raining hard. I'm going to take my time because y'all ain't trying to go nowhere. <laughs> Shoot, let me back up. <laughs> y'all ain't trying to go nowhere. <laughs> let me back up. <laughs> Look, if we want to see the manifestation of God's promises, then the Bible says all we have to do is trust and believe. We have to trust God enough to put our weight on him. Yes. 
And we have, to, we have to trust God enough to put our weight on him, and we have to believe that what he said will come to pass. And, and here's the thing. You're not in a position where you can put a time limit on God. The Bible actually tells us that a day to God is like a thousand, a thousand to us is like a day. And so you can't, you can't do this thing where you're like, okay, I'm believing God, but if it don't happen next week, then it, didn't, it, it wasn't meant to be. you got to learn to believe God, period. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Listen, there will be countless situations in your life that will try and get you to doubt God and the promises he has made for you. There will be lots of things that would occur in your life. There will be well-meaning people, okay, who will tell you that what you're believing for is just too grandiose. The the things you're believing for don't happen for people like you who come from places you come from. That the thing you're saying is going to happen, it's, it's never happened to anybody in your family. And so how do you think you have somehow are good enough to have all this happen? You need to lower your expectation. You're talking too big. You ought to just be happy with what you got now. The reality of it is, is that a lot of us right now live better than our parents did. But that's not the result of you. It's the result of what your parents did to get you in that position, typically. Okay? So I understand that my kids, my ceiling ought to be my kids' floor. If my kids end up living less than me, then I either haven't done a good job or they haven't done a good job. I know it ain't going to be me. So if, if, they, if, they, if they choose to live at that level, that's on them. Because I do everything I'm supposed to do to make sure that they're in a position so that they don't have to start where I started from. It's like if someone was going to run the 400-meter dash. If you run the 400-meter dash and say you run it in 45 seconds, but let's say that when you're running that 400-meter dash, your kids don't start at the starting line. They actually start at the 200 meters. Well, if they run 200 meters in 45 seconds, you're like, what's wrong with you? Why why did it take you the same amount of time to go half the distance? Well, that's what God is saying to us. Why you keep coming to church getting all this word, but it's still taking you all this time to go half the distance? And so we got to get to the place where we say, look, I know there's going to be things that happen in my life that's going to try to knock me off course. I got to be ready for them. How do I get ready for something I can't see? By getting in the word. By getting in the word. Listen, I want you to see if you can pull this up. I want you to go to Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 11. This ain't in the notes. Let's see if you can see this. Isaiah chapter 11, I believe it is. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's either. <laughs> the baby said, uh-oh. I love it. Yeah, I think it's Isaiah 11. See if you can, see if you can pull that up. So now, now watch this. It's a couple of scriptures. It says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Now, you, that may not mean anything to you, but if you've done some study, they're talking about Jesus. It says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, watch this. The stem's going to come, and the branches are going to grow. Jesus is going to come, and we're going to grow. Yeah. Now, watch what he says. Next verse. It says, and here in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it outlines what most theologians call the facets of the anointing. Now, the anointing is God's empowerment. It's God's ability. 
Um, most people think that Jesus, that Jesus Christ, when you hear that, they think Christ was his last name. Christ wasn't his last name. He was Jesus of Nazareth who was the Christ. Being he was the anointed one who carried the anointing with him. So his name's not Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus. He's Jesus the Christ or Jesus the anointed one. And, 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 and that anointing that was on his life, watch this, is available to you and I. Amen. And if you have tapped into it, then the same thing, watch this, that made Jesus great makes you great. Yeah. Amen. I made somebody mad one time I said this. I'm going to say it today since it's raining. Y'all can't go nowhere. <laughs> Jesus was not just Jesus because he was God's son. That didn't make him special. People say, oh, no, Pastor, you can't be saying stuff like that. Follow me. You and I are also children of God. We are adopted children of God. In most states, did you know that if you adopt a child, it is impossible for you to write them out of your will? You can write your own biological kids out of your will, but you cannot adopt a, 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 an adopted child out of your will. So the fortitude of an adopted child is greater than that of a biological one. Don't believe me? Google it. You, in most places, you cannot write out an adopted child out of the will, even if you want to. Even if you do it, it has no legal standing. So you're gonna, you can write out all of your biological kids, say you're not going to leave them anything. You're not going to give them anything. But if you've adopted one, they're entitled to everything you got until they die. Jesus was God's biological child. But you are God's adopted child. So even if God could write Jesus out of the wheel, he can't write us out. So what does that mean? That means that the same anointing that he gave to his biological child is the same anointing that rests rule and abide with me. It says, and here is what that anointing is. It says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of what? Wisdom is mine. Understanding is mine. Counsel is mine. Might is mine. The spirit of knowledge is mine. And a reverential fear of God belongs to me. And with those facets of of the anointing, Jesus did everything in the earth he needed to do. This was describing Jesus before he ever showed up on the scene. They said, out of the root of Jesse, the stem is going to come. And from the stem, he's going to have branches. And everything that was in the stem is going to be on the branches. Hallelujah. It's why people who are religious and don't understand the word get ticked off when you say, I'm just like God. They, 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 can't, they can't take it. It bothers them because they don't know who they belong to. You ever met a child who didn't know their father? Yeah, come on. Statistics tell us that that child has issues sometimes of not knowing where they are from or who they connected to. If you don't know who God is and you don't know who Jesus is and you don't know who you are, you have identity issues. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
And when you have identity issues, you will look for any place to identify. And the devil, who is his false father, is always looking for somebody that he can graft into his family so that he can cause you to have this same false identity. But when you learn to cooperate with God, not only is God pulling you toward him, he's communicating with you when you come. So God is pulling you and telling you who you are. When you spend time in the word, it's not just you finding out about God. God's telling you who you are. Come on. And when God is spending time telling you who you are, then you have no problem with when, when, when false stuff come around. How do I know this is true? I have a friend um, who went to work years ago for the Secret Service. He's not on protective detail, but he still works for the Secret Service. And he actually works. Do you know the Secret Service's main job is to identify counterfeit bills? It's only a small contingent of them who protect the president. Their main job is to identify and to snuff out people who use counterfeit bills. He said the way that they study counterfeit bills is not by spending time looking at counterfeit bills. He said, because people are so ingenious, if you look at one counterfeit and another counterfeit, you'll be confused. He said, they only spend time looking at real money. That's all, they study every detail of real money. Because if they study the real, when the fake shows up, they automatically know what it is. We ain't gotta spend time studying the fake stuff. All we gotta do is just study the word. And if we study the word, when the fake stuff shows up, we'll know it's fake. We'll know it's fake. It may look good, it may look almost perfect, but there'll be one thing that'll be off about it. And you will notice that one thing causes it not to be the real thing. When you cooperate with God. I'm telling you, cooperating with God puts you in a position so that you never have to be tricked. The Bible says that God would never allow his people to be ashamed. He'll never allow his people to be ashamed. You know how you become ashamed? You get involved with something you weren't supposed to be involved in. I used to think that meant that God would never, that God would never say no to my promises. That's not what that means. What it means is that God would never let you get mixed up and involved in something that you shouldn't be so that your name has to be ashamed. If you stay close to his word. When he says, no, don't date him, no, don't date her, no, don't take that job, no, don't move there, no, don't spend this. If you will obey God in those areas, you will never find yourself being ashamed. Come on. Amen, somebody. Amen. Listen, Satan knows that doubt counsels out belief, and it shuts the door, the opportunity for manifestation. All Satan wants to do is cause you to doubt God a little bit. The Bible says that a little leaven makes the whole cake rise. Or a little leaven, leaven hit the lot. He says, all I need you to do is just think for a moment. What if God don't do it? How do I know thoughts are powerful? The Bible says that there was a time where, the, where Satan, who was named Lucifer, was in heaven. And he was one of God's most beautiful creations. The Bible says that there became a thought in his mind. The Bible says he thought to himself, I'll be like God. And the Bible says the next thing you know, he found himself on earth. Why? Because doubt will transition you from heaven to hell in a heartbeat. You cannot allow doubt, you cannot allow doubt and unbelief to get inside your system because it'll wreak havoc on you. That's why you can't listen to people who tell you you got a right to be angry with God. No, you don't. 
You got a right to be angry at the devil. The Bible says he is your adversary. You got a right to be angry at yourself. Because you can say all you want to. I hate when people say, I did everything God asked me to do. You lying and you just lied again. You ain't did everything God asked you to do. You just lying. You ain't you lying to yourself. To say, and when you lie to yourself, you feed yourself a bunch of lies that you end up believing. Now you believe a lie, which causes you to live out a lie. Tell them to say, stop lying. Just stop lying. You ain't did everything God told you to do. People, people laugh, but I, I, that's how I talk to people, man. You lying. You ain't did everything God told you to do. You ain't did everything. You're human. I know you ain't. And, and, and when you tell yourself that you've done everything, what you do is you abdicate responsibility of changing. You abdicate the responsibility of who is supposed to be changing in the situation. You want God to change, but the Bible says he ain't changing. The Bible says he's God and he changes not. And so we have to make sure that we understand that it is the devil. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. we have, we have. An, adversary. an adversary. And you got to know that, man. You got somebody out there who wants to see you fail. You got someone who wants to see you fall flat on your face. You got someone who wants to see your marriage end in divorce, wants to see your finances in shambles and filing for bankrupt. He wants to see you big and obese and dying early. He wants to see your mind wreak with havoc. He wants to see your kids acting a fool. He wants to see them incarcerated or on drugs. That is his ultimate desire. But guess what? His desire doesn't have to be your reality. His desire doesn't have to be your reality. You can live by this word, and this word tells you and it tells me that we have a better life to live if we cooperate with God. Amen? Amen. Listen, point number one. If we trust and believe God, we will team up with, God will team up with us to bring to pass the manifestation of his power. We just got to believe God. God wants to be on our team. Have you ever seen, and and whether you're a fan of basketball or football or any team sport, there is nothing more beautiful, whether it's five men or women on the court, 11 men on the field, or or, or whatever it may be, there is nothing more beautiful than seeing a team work together in unison. You know, one of the things I used to love, even though I didn't particularly like the team, was the San Antonio Spurs. The way they would move the ball, the way that they were so unselfish, the way that they would always look for the best shot, it was like they didn't even have any real superstars on the team. They do, but it was like they almost like almost like they didn't have any superstars, but they was just beating everybody. Because they were they were, they were so involved in the team effort. Most of us want to be the superstar on the team, and we want Jesus to cut to clap for us. <laughs> We want Jesus to clap when we take it to the hole. And he's like, look, I need to cooperate with you. This is a team effort. This dream you have, it came from me. I gave it to you. And I need your help to to bring it to pass. I don't even have authority to bring it to pass in your life unless you let me. How many of you know salvation was made available before you were ever born? Before you, you, listen, you ain't 2,000 some years old. Salvation was available before you were ever born. And it was available when you were born until you accepted it. Until you cooperated with God, it was available, but it was dormant to you. How many promises are available to you, but they're dormant because you won't cooperate with God? 
What does it mean to cooperate with God? I'm going to skip through some of this for just, 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 just a little bit. We'll come back to it later. I want to say this, though. God does nothing in the earth independently of people. God does nothing in the earth independently of people. He doesn't. It, it's, you, you understand that even people talk about the weather. Do you know there was a time that the sun didn't set because a man got involved? Literally, the sun stayed where it was because a man got involved. Time, did, time didn't move because a man got involved. The Red Sea didn't part because they got to it. The Bible says they got to the Red Sea and looked around and was like, what are we going to do? God said, partner with me. Put your staff out. He put the staff out. The water went. It went over on dry land. He said, put the staff back down. He put it down. Water came back. God needs cooperation. God told him, he said, look, I'm going to wipe this world out. It's wicked. It's evil. I'm going to take it out. He told Noah, he said, you better build a boat, boy. (laughs) He said, you better build one. People say, what are you building a boat for? He said, no, it's going to rain. They said, rain, what's that? Because the Bible says that until that time, the water, everything had been watered from underneath. There had never been rain from the earth, from the sky before. Now think about that. There had never been a thing called rain. But a man cooperated with God and saved mankind. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you again. What is it that God's wanting you to cooperate with so that he can help save that portion of mankind? God is sovereign, but he has given his authority to us. He allows us to make our own choices. He works with us when we cooperate with him. How do we know that? Because if we look here in Genesis 1:26, look at what he says. It says, then God said, let us, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, make man in our what? Image, according to our likeness. Not physical, but what? A spiritual personality and a moral likeness. And let them have what? Complete authority over what? Everything in the earth. He starts naming stuff, and then he just actually says the entire earth. He says, let them have authority. Let's create this man and let man have authority over the entire earth. That promise has not moved. That promise has not changed. And so it's important for us to understand that. Listen, I want to. The Bible says in John 8, 32, it says, and you, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I tell people it's the truth you know and do. It's a lot of folk know truth, but they don't do truth. So it's the truth that you know and the truth that you do that sets you free. And if you ever get to the place where you can tap into God's truth enough to do it, there will be no bondage in your life. There'll be no bondage in your life. And in fact, when we start talking about bondage, we'll get rid of we'll get rid of lack. We'll get rid of debt. We'll get rid of evil influences. Listen, religion is one of the worst things. Religion. When I say religion, I'm not talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about that religion that is man-made, like the religion that says that you can't, um, you, you, that you in sin if you don't do communion on a certain Sunday and you don't wear a certain color. And it's, all that stuff is man-made traditions. You know, you ain't gotta come to come to church in, 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 in suits and ties if you want to. That's fine. But all of that stuff doesn't mean anything if you're not living out the word. So you keep all of these religious traditions and nothing happens. I had somebody tell me she was, she, she, she tunes in when we do the uh, confessions. Um, 
And she tunes in, and she's one of my Facebook friends, but she really enjoys when Pastor Sean does that. And so we were talking one day through the inbox, and she was saying that she really, really loves our church, but, but our church ain't Baptist. I'm like, so you, and I ain't got nothing against the Baptist church. I ain't got nothing against the Koji church. I ain't got to get no, no church name. But you're going to stay at a place because of the name on the door when your life is dying? That's religion. Religion says, I can't leave because my grandma went here. Well, how did it work for her? <laughs> no, that's, I mean, I mean, people, be, the, the reality of it is she was broke all her life. But she stayed there at that little church because she bought a piece of the carpet. That's crazy. That's religion. And religion will hold you in bondage and allow you to die in bondage. He says, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. In fact, the Bible says, let all the redeemed of the Lord say so. Somebody shout, I'm free. I'm free. I'm telling you, man, we're, we're, going, we're, going, we're going to freedom. And, 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 and if some of y'all may come walking. Some of y'all may come running. Some of y'all may come because we drag you. But we going to freedom. <laughs> Unless you get off this train, you going to freedom. Because that's the only direction we're going. We're going to freedom in our marriages. We're going to freedom where our kids are concerned. We're going to freedom in our finances, on our jobs. We are headed to freedom in our health. We are headed to freedom, people. Hallelujah. James 1 and 6, we talked about this the other week. I won't go through it all, but it just tells us about you can't be double-minded. Yes. You can't be double-minded. It says, do not waver for a person with divided loyalty. I love that. I love that. That's why I use this particular verse. He said a person with divided loyalty. You cannot be committed to God and your own way. You can't be committed to doing things the right way sometimes and the wrong thing other times. He says a person who has divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You cannot have divided loyalties. You cannot say that you are headed to freedom, that you own this way with FOC, but during the week you do nothing to get you to freedom. Angel. <laughs> you, but it's true. You can't. You can't. You can't say, hey, I'm on my way to freedom. We, you come in here, you make these confessions, you get all hype, and we sing songs, and you go home and live the same dead gun way you did last week. Amen. That just don't make no sense. Some of y'all need to employ self-talk. Sometimes you gotta talk to yourself. You gotta say, look, quit being lazy, get up and read. Yeah. You need to say it out loud. Read. Listen, praise, do so, and it ain't always got to be the Bible. So there, there's a lot of good books that have biblical information in it that you ought to be reading sometimes. You talk about there's a certain goal or dream you want to work on, then pick up a book who's from an expert in that field. I don't want to go to a financial consultant who hadn't read a finance book since they graduated college. I just don't. I want, I, when I interview teachers, I ask them, what's the latest instructional technique you've been studying? If you tell me pet, the conversation's over. We're done. You're talking about Madeline Hunter stuff. I'm done. I don't, I don't want you. If you haven't kept up with your craft, how useful are you going to be? Oh, that's good. If you ain't kept up, I'm 
if you haven't kept up in your craft. So how is it God supposed to put you on the scene and you're supposed to show up and be before kings and you don't know nothing? I can't, I, I just, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's like, look, nobody should have to prep you and prime you to do what you say is important to you. To you. Listen, I get motivated by lots of people. I don't always show it. I don't always talk about it. Sometimes even out loud, I may be like, I ain't doing that or whatever the case may be. But when I decide to do something I want to do, all the devils in hell can't stop me. I got fortitude. And, and you ought to have fortitude. You ain't got to have fortitude about everything. But you ought to have fortitude about what's important to you. If you say saving money is important to you, why haven't you opened a savings account yet? You ain't serious about saving money. If you say that, if, if you say that you're serious about, about getting in shape or eating better, have you bought some Tupperware dishes to at least start meal prepping? Have you done anything? Have you talked to somebody about what you should be eating? If you decide you want to get a promotion, have you found out what everything your boss knows? See, I'm telling you, the fastest way to promotion is to find out how to be a benefit to your boss. Now, y'all better hear me. Oh, yeah. Be a, be, find yourself being indispensable. Find yourself being indispensable. Now, once, you got to have wisdom with that. I ain't talking about doing your boss's job. I'm talking about making your, job, making your boss's job easier. So that he looks good. So that we, or she, so that, or, or she... <laughs> I've had more she's than he's. So that if she looks good, then you look good too. It's just, it's just a matter of cooperation. Anytime you cooperate with anybody, there's, a, there's this synergy that happens. Amen? Listen, let's go. I said this manifestation requires a single-mindedness. We won't, I, don't, I, won't, I want to get into this. Uh, and then we'll, we'll finish with this. Point, this. We'll go back to, i just show you this real quick. Point two, it says God's promises work by cooperation, but not everyone will accept them. Everybody's not going to cooperate with God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says the poor will be with you always. You know what he didn't say? That you had to be the poor. Now he said poor, the, the, the poor is going to be with you always. There's always going to be people in the world who are poor because there will always be people who choose not to cooperate with God. Listen, poverty is not a life sentence. That's right. I tell my kids that all the time. Poverty is not a life sentence. But if you choose to live in the bondage of poverty, you will live there for the rest of your life. But at any time you decide, and poverty, watch this, doesn't just have to be money. Poverty is a mindset. How do we know poverty is a mindset? Because you can take someone who has a poverty mindset, you can put them in a mansion, give them a nice new car, and they'll park that nice new car on the grass at their mansion. Something will happen to the mansion and they won't get it repaired. Because that's a poverty mindset. And so I've known people who have lived in subsidized housing and their housing was just as nice as it could be. You know why? Because poverty wasn't in them. Mm -hmm. They took care of what they had. That's the reason I tell people all the time, and I really mean this. If I come to your house, if I come to your apartment, you tell me you want God to bless you, your apartment nasty, you lying. <laughs> if you don't keep 300 square feet clean, you ain't going to keep 1,300 square feet clean. And you sure ain't going to keep 3,000 square feet clean. 
Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just a fact. People are like, if I get a house, I keep it organized. I have, I, have, I have more room to organize. You'll have more junk. <laughs> now, that's the truth. You're going to have more junk. So what was cluttered at 300 you're going to be cluttered at 13 or 23 or 33 or 4,300. It's just going to be cluttered. So here's what we got to do. We got to learn how to cooperate with God. Amen? Number one, God needs a believer with a physical body he can work through. You gotta understand that, God needs. Do you know, now this, I won't get into all this, but this is, this is why I tell people to be careful when they lose a loved one, and then they'd be like, well my mother, or my grandmother, or my grandfather, or my uncle, my aunt, cousin, they came back and they talked to me. That is illegal for them to do. It, is a, it doesn't mean that it wasn't them, it wasn't a premonition of them, it wasn't an essence of them, because we understand that when people die, they, don't, they, they still exist. But in order to be legal in the earth, a spiritual being has to be bound in a body. They have to be bound in a body. And that's why you got to be careful that you ain't over there spending time talking to things aren't bound in the body at night. Because those things don't come from God. They are in the earth illegally. I don't care if it was your big mama. I don't care if it was your mama, if it was your daddy, whoever it was. If they don't have a body, they are violating a law that God established. In order to be in the earth talking and doing things with another being, they have to be housed in a body. Because man is what? Tripartite. Man has a body, man is a spirit, and man possesses a soul. If any of those three are missing, he is in the earth, she is in the earth, it is in the earth illegally. So you got to know God needs you because you got a body. No matter, what it looks, no matter what it looks like, God needs you. God needs you. Number two, God needs someone who knows and believes his promises. You can have a body, but if you don't know the promises of God, then God will be speaking to you and you'll be doubting whether that's real or not. We believe in healing. Amen. I said we believe in healing. Yes. Listen, I don't miss a day, Lee. For, I, I can't pronounce her name. It started with, what's her name? How do you say it? Sailor. I don't miss a day praying for that young lady. Ever since I found out about her. And I love getting those reports saying how, what God is doing in her life. How God is healing her. Listen, God is Jehovah Rapha. Yes. He is the Lord God who heals. And on top of that, he is El Elohim. He is the one true God. And because of that, I will never get to a place and let a doctor tell me that somebody I care about is in a certain position and I take his word over God's word. Absolutely. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe till they get up or till they go to glory, but I'm never going to change my mind. Why? Because God needs somebody who believes his promises. Let me go back. He needs someone to enforce those promises by releasing their faith and their authority. And that's the main thing I want to talk about next week. How do we release our faith? A lot of people haven't had practice at releasing their faith. You know, when you, when you go fishing, and I, I, Kenneth Copeland said this one time, and it blessed my life, so I'm not going to say I, this was original. Kenneth Copeland, this, the third time I said it, I'm going to say I said it. But right now, Kenneth, but right now, Kenneth Copeland said it. When, when you, when, you, ever, you ever been fishing? And you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a certain way you have to release in order to get that, 
to cast that line out. It's not a natural thing, but if you keep doing it, before you know it, it becomes fluid. The first time you release your faith, it may be a little sketchy. But if you keep releasing your faith, before you know it, it becomes fluid. And now every time you're believing God for something, you're casting it out there. You're hitting the same spot every time you're supposed yes. to hit. And it comes through practice. And so when we talk about this on next week, we're going to talk about how do we release our faith. Because releasing our faith is the major, re is the major way that we cooperate with God. Absolutely. It doesn't stop raining now. I'm going to let y'all go. <laughs> Listen, if we learn if, if we will take these principles, and I know it's a lot, four steps to this, five steps to this, seven steps to that, I do it that way so you can chunk it. I, I, I do it that way so we can scaffold your learning so that you don't have to remember everything that I said, you can just remember pieces of it. And if you can remember pieces of that information, if you will just start to meditate on it, just start to think about it during the week. Listen, I do lots of things during the week, but I don't neglect my Bible reading. I love being on Facebook. It's fun. I love the people I get to interact with. I love being with my wife, being with my kids. I love HGTV. Look, Shark Week's going to be coming up pretty soon. I'm watching every episode of Shark Week. Yes, I am. I have for the last several years. But I'm not going to neglect my word. I'm not going to neglect my word. We make priority for whatever is important. And so if you are prioritizing, you make the word important, you listen, there's 24 hours in a day. If you were to track all of your hours, you'd be amazed at how much time you, you slough off. Here's what most people do. They think about doing stuff, and they equate that to doing stuff. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, for real, people do. And so at the end of the day, they're tired because they've been thinking about all this stuff they had to do. But you ain't done none of it. You don't get, that's why I was saying last week, don't tell me you're tired. You're not tired. You know, people laugh at me because I make these lists, but I make these lists because it, it, it makes me task oriented. Because if I, why, why do I want to sit there and think about six emails I need to send? Write down which emails I need to send and then start doing them and then mark them off my list. Because it takes as much time to think about them and to dread doing it than it does to do it. Yes. It's just, just, it's like the Nike thing. Boy. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Amen? Amen. Have y'all been blessed this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, I appreciate y'all coming to church. I really do. Uh, I know that you, you, I know you come and you come for you, but I'm telling you, it, it, it does something for me when I see the energy that people have about wanting their life to do better. Nobody wants to keep doing something and nobody getting nothing out of it. 